from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen, this that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system, this a war zone going down on Wednesday nights, this a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite, weekly battles, ratings shattered, this a revolution, this is change to what the game is used to doing, this is all about that dark and light contrast, welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. I'm joined here with G-Rock. Before we start the show, I just want to give a big shout-out to everybody who subscribes to the podcast and leaves us those great reviews. Thank you so much. Everybody who follows us on Instagram at Fight for Wednesday Night, thank you so much. And everybody who subscribes to us on YouTube at Fight for Wednesday Night. You guys rock. Thank you. Welcome back, Wednesday Night Warrior. Like always, we appreciate you tuning in with us. I hope your week was good. I know I had a really good week. It's nothing special, you know, but just things lining up for you. I appreciate the small things in life. So this was a really chill week for me. How about yourself, De Niro? My week sucked. No, <laughs> not yet. Same. My week was pretty good so far. You know, everything's been going well. Rockefeller Center is always popping. It's always exciting over there. So, yeah, great week so far. Speaking of exciting, have there uh, been any celebrities that's crossed your path? Um... What's that K-pop group that was performing at the Wait, Times Square? Yeah, they they're on the Today Show. I think tomorrow, so they were like preparing today. Also, they had like the dogs from the what was it, the Westminster Dog Show or something like that. They were also in Rockefeller Center. Were you on Doggy Patrol? Uh, nah, nah <laughs> those, those days are way past me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. awesome. Let's jump into this, man. Let's jump into this. I got let's a do. lot to say about NXT, and let's start off with something positive. Okay. I'm going to start off with the the uh, Jordan Devin and Leo Rush match. Uh, for the Cruiserweight title, I thought this was uh, a bright spot for this show. Uh, Jordan Devlin and Leo Rush uh, matched up beautifully in this match. I feel like Jordan Devlin was, was pretty awesome. Uh, he was able to slow it down to his pace, but when Leo Rush was able to pick it up, he was able to keep up as well. So I, I feel like he's very diverse. And I like that his style, his strong style, um, 
just the way he he goes about a match is is different from the cruiserweights. Yeah, I totally agree. Jordan Devlin really impressed me in this match because he wrestled his match. We've seen matches with Leo Rush in the past where the person who he's wrestling is trying to match Leo Rush in athleticism, where Devlin was like, no, you're going to have to, like, Matt wrestle me. And, like, for example, we had matches with Leo Rush where I think it was with Angel Garza, where Angel Garza has some high-flying moves, but he's more of, like, a Matt-based wrestler, where he was trying to do, like, more, like, exciting flips and things to, like, match the athleticism, where Devlin said, you're wrestling my match. He's the champion. You're going to have to wrestle this type of match. And we've seen Leo Rush actually hang in like a ground and pound scenario, which is cool because not only did it show that Devlin will make you wrestle his match, but Leo Rush could like he could hold his own when it comes to a match where he's not over the top high flying in a thousand spots per minute. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that um, during the match, but I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, you know, if you try to if you try to go um, match athleticism with Leo Rush. You're probably gonna lose nine times yeah, out of ten. You know what I mean? People could do it. Exactly. That guy is like he moves like he's shot out of a cannonball. It's go 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 go, and I mean it's just it's insane keep, uh, keeping up with him. Definitely. But I really did love that Jordan Devlin. Like you said, he played his match. You know, um, and we're starting to see more of Devlin. Obviously, now he's the cruiserweight uh, champion, um, and I'm loving this. I, I really like this guy. I think he's great for that division. I think he's he's good for the NXT. Uh, state brand yeah um so yeah this was this was a this was a good match now i want to talk about a match that wasn't good what match was that oh my god this one this one killed me man uh velveteen dream and roderick strong definitely like let me just say that i was really excited for velveteen dream and roderick strong because we remember that in the past they had match of the night for some of their matches when they first started this, like, USA NXT. So I was expecting a lot, but then also, realistically, this is Velveteen Dream's first match back, so I knew there was going to be some parts where he probably had ring rust, but the sloppiness didn't even come from Velveteen Dream. It was some sloppiness from Roderick Strong, too, I was seeing, where it looked like he was tripping up. Yeah, there was, like, spots where he seemed like he was thrown off by Velveteen Dream not being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like that was mostly on Velveteen. I, I saw a lot of sloppiness. I saw missed spots. I saw him bumping and colliding with Roddy. Um, you know, Irish whip across the ropes, and you know, uh, Roddy kind of bends over. Um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Like for him to like jump over, it's whatever, and he yeah, kind of like leapfrog. Yeah, yeah leapfrog. It just like collided. He just collided with yeah. him, and it just. It, and if you notice the the pacing of that match in the beginning, especially in the beginning. Um, you know, we didn't really get much wrestling for like the first two, three minutes. Uh, yeah. There was a lot of like uh, swings and misses, chasing exactly chasing, and 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 Velveteen playing cat and mouse with him. And at first, I thought, okay, like I understand it. You know, you're trying to get into his head and whatnot and play that storyline. But um, I felt like it, it went on a little too long. And uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, you know, I just want to finish with this thought: is that. You know, when you start off slow like that, I sort of expected, okay, at some point you guys are going to really pick this up, and it really never got there. Yeah, I agree. But not only that, it just was a little weird to see the baby face getting chased by the heel because usually it's the other dynamic. You got the, the chicken heel, and the baby face is trying to, like, catch him so they could, like, wrestle. Where here, it was Velveteen Dream doing the running and Roderick, who's the heel, chasing him down. Now, I understand you bring him in, you bring his family into it. It's a personal matter. But like you said, it lasted a little too long where Velveteen Dream is like running from Roddy. You had this like tough persona like, oh, what if you don't make it home and all that? I'll take care of her. But then like 
you're scared to fight? Come yeah. on. It was yeah. a little weird. Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't mad at, at uh, the whole cat-mouse thing at first. Um, and, and, you know, Velveteen playing that part. You know, I don't care if it's if it's uh, a heel or face, whatever. He made it work for him. Uh, so I get it. But the part that I was really upset with is the fact that Roderick Strong is such a good wrestler. And, you know, like I, I, I've been saying it multiple times on this podcast, you know, he's one of my my favorite wrestlers to watch. I think he's one of the best in the world that's undercredited. Um, you know, every match I've seen with this guy has always been great. Mm-hmm. And this was the one time where it really fell short. And I don't want to get a little ahead of myself, but I felt like this this – show itself really felt short to my expectations so i was really so pinning I. I was pinning on this match kind of sort of saving the saving grace you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah and holy shit did that fell short as well you know i don't know it just it was really sloppy really sloppy and i just i don't know what the disconnect was but if moving forward with this feud i hope that they are able to get their shit together and put on the matches that we come to expect from from both these guys. Yeah, I totally agree. And speaking of sloppy, I just want to like say last week I said that NXT was my match, I mean my show of the week, and then on top of that, we had a great takeover and on that podcast we were singing their praises. And then this week they got really sloppy and in my opinion it came with the promos. Now, the promos on this show were like out of left field. Everything was not set up in a way where it made anybody really look strong, in my opinion, besides maybe Champa's, but it was in the expense of someone else. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off there, De Niro, but yeah, exactly like you said, it came at the expense of Austin Theory, which yeah. is a guy that we spoke on how we're really high on him. Um, I would like to think that the WWE is high on him as well. I mean, the way they, they've talked about him during his matches – uh, you know, he was champion in um, what was uh, it? Evolve, Evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and he's young. I mean, he's got the look. He has the capability. I mean, screw the look. I mean, the kid has the capability. And I just felt like this was the wrong guy to do that too. Yeah, definitely, it was the wrong guy to do that too because you have a star in the making, and then you're basically like punking him out. But on top of that, one thing that we really praised last week was the way that they set up the promos and the vignettes and how they kind of had that AEW touch and how we hope that they continue to go down that path. And we see nothing of that path that they went down in this week's episode. Well, I would like to say is that they, they still sort of kept that AEW touch because they did a Keith Lee squash match into a promo, which <laughs> I don't even like it when AEW does that. Like, can we can we just... Cut, cut the, the squash to a promo. You know, I understand everybody who competed on uh, Portland Takeover, you're not going to want to put them in a match. Yeah. You know, I mean, their bodies are are, are busted up. They're, they're, they're healing, um, especially Keith Lee and Dijakovic. I mean, we talked about that match and, and holy shit. Yeah. So I understand, you know, um, him not wrestling or any of those guys or, 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 or competitors wrestling. But you don't have to give me a BS squash to get a promo in. Exactly. And, and on top of that, it was really lackluster because it seems moving forward, we're getting Dijakovic and Keith Lee yet again. Yeah, well, blame that on the fans that are chanting "fight forever." No, I mean, don't get me <laughs> no, wrong. I, I want to like, I love when they're in the ring together. It was just like I wanted to see who's the next in line. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Is like, I love great matches, and I love when two competitors can match up and. They can put on the performances like Keith Lee and Dijakovic do, and and every time it just seems to get better and yeah. get and better. 
But at some point, you know, you got to take a break. You know, you need I, some space in between. Yeah, I mean, you know, I really, I don't, I don't want to see these guys be wrestling for fifty-two weeks in a row. And we we talked about on the uh, on the Takeover uh, uh, podcast about the the feud with Ciampa and Gargano, and it's like you're 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 refurbishing that, and you're going to give us again Lee and 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 Dijakovic. It's like, come on, I, can we get some fresh matchups here? And then on top of that, we're getting another Dakota versus Tegan match. Which we won't talk about AW Touch. It just so happens to be in a cage this time. Mm. Which I want to say I did point out on the episode where we're talking about Takeover. Yeah. I did say that I think that this feud is obviously not done, and the way they're going to build to it is to have a cage match where Raquel Gonzalez cannot interfere. So once again, another psychic moment that's two <laughs> in the past month. I, I think you need to pat yourself on the back, Daniel. Oh. There you go. You Just feel like Chapa. <laughs> I feel amazing. So, yeah. But definitely, I feel like the, the promos in this show was at the expense of other people. And another thing that I saw, all right, you had the Austin Theory tobacco, I guess. Yeah. But then after that, we have a match between Chelsea Green and... Um, uh, oh, uh, Caden Carter. Caden Carter, Thank yes. You. Thank you very much. I was freezing yeah. on that, too. Thanks, I tagged him in. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we have a match between Kaden Carter and Chelsea Green, and then Bianca Belair comes in to just randomly cut a promo on Charlotte. Now, where did we see that? A uh, couple minutes ago? Exactly. That's why, like, at that point, it's like, you're going to do this again? Maybe it was effective when you had Ciampa. Or maybe if you didn't have Ciampa do it like that, maybe you could have did this. But it's also disrespectful to the match that's going on in the ring. Like, you just show that these two girls, well, these two females are very... Like, there's, they're on the minors compared to Bianca Belair's promo against Charlotte, and that's not cool. Yeah, when you do something like this, you are diminishing the the wrestlers that are in the ring. Yeah. And it's I, – I, first off, I don't like these type of promos at all. Me either. At all. I don't think it makes anybody really look good. Um, you had a match going on. And in what, what wrestling world do we live in where the match just stops – when somebody wants to come in and shoot a promo. Well, that was that was just like uh, Scott Hall when he debuted in WCW. There was a match going on. He comes walking in and they just leave. And then he cuts his promo. But the thing is, those were two guys that no one ever known. They purposely had two jobbers with no names. So when Scott Hall did this, it wasn't a match that people cared about. They actually built up to this match with Chelsea Green and Caden Carter. And then by having Bianca Belair come out and cut a promo on Charlotte mid-match, it tells the fans, this match doesn't really matter. What matters is Bianca just called out Charlotte. But the funny thing was that they continued this match. Yeah. You know, I could understand if somebody, like in Ciampa's case, right, where he comes out and totally, like, squashes Austin Theory and you can't have a match, right? Okay, I'm not happy with it, but okay, I get it. This was just fucking awkward because it was like Bianca Belair comes out. She has her, her 15 minutes of fame talking uh, about Charlotte, which, by the way, I just want to point out that, you know, I predicted this as well. I've been posting on the Instagram don't, you're not the psychic. I'm, I'm not the psychic. The, I'm not. I'm the psychic. Okay. Not, you have, right. though. You have been. All right. Put away your crystal ball. <laughs> I've, I've just been saying that I thought they were building towards uh, a three-way at WrestleMania because, like I said, it would sort of give WWE an out with Charlotte. I don't mm-hmm. know if they really want her to win that title and defend it in NXT. Yeah. At least this way with Ripley and Belair, she doesn't have to be a part of the finish. Um, so I'm happy with the decision. And, I mean, they haven't officially announced it, but it's obvious – it looks like we're moving towards that direction. Yeah. But come on. Come on. I mean, really, I mean, NXT creative, this is the way you go about it. When you just had Ciampa do the same thing with, with Theory. 
Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics? Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. I, this was the least creative way. And then on top of that, in my opinion, if I'm Chelsea Green and Caden Carter, I'm like, yo, this is my time. So if anyone comes into the ring, we're taking you out the ring. They just stood to the side and watched. Yeah, that's, that's it. You know what? I'm, I'm I'm sort of one of those like like weirdos, I guess, that doesn't just focus on the person it, that's supposed to be focused. I'm watching the yeah. back. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm watching what's going on in the surroundings, and it was just super awkward because you got uh, yeah, you have Robert Stone coming up onto the 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 apron, and he's talking to the referee, and the referee's trying to. Like, tell him it's okay, it's okay. Well, how is this okay? This is yeah. not okay. Like, Yeah, why is the referee not in there trying to, like, hey, you hey, gotta go. You gotta go. To it's, Bianca. It's just, I don't know. Like, this this is like a mm. fucking fail. You know, this is my double, double F. F. <laughs> yeah, this was a big time moment, you know, of a, of a fucking fail. So this is sort of the definition. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I really wasn't pleased with that. I, were, I wasn't pleased with these promos in general. Uh, Ciampa, I, I liked his, his promo. I liked... Uh, the way he interacted with Austin Theory, yeah. he did a phenomenal job. You know, he is really showing uh, the type of professional wrestler he is and the professionalism that he has. Mm-hmm. So I like that. But when you recycle it and you give me the B version in 10 minutes later, yeah, come on, what am I supposed to say to this? You know what I mean? And that's why I feel, you know, I'm so I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to fast forward. I was trying to hold this off in my final thoughts. But honestly, this show just like really fucking pissed me off because I was excited. I was excited uh, for the show prior to well, last week's show going into yeah. TakeOver. And I said about how this was supposed to be the 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 like turning the the um, turning point for NXT and yeah. that they were going to start moving them into the slot that they said, which is the third brand, the third brand and equivalent to Raw and SmackDown. And this show did not look like it. This was just a, a, a fucking just disaster, in my opinion. This is developmental. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like last week they took three steps forward, and this week they took five steps back. Mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree because watching this show, there was so many points where I just wanted to pull my hair out. I'm like, why are we doing this? And then on top of that, like you said, it came 
right after a great episode last week and an amazing pay-per-view. Yes. So it's like, what the hell? I mean, it feels like they just gave up on this they were, one. They were, yeah, they were just like on their honeymoon from the success. Now, so. now, here's the deal. Like, I don't know if it was literally them and the creative team just giving up on this episode. Like, we were forced to do an episode. We don't got anything for you this week. But next week, we got something. I don't know. Or, or playing devil's advocate here, is maybe they feel or maybe they don't have the confidence in the rest of the roster. Because that's what it looks like to me. With the fact that because you had, you know, Keith Lee not having a legitimate match – Dijakovic is all, everybody from, from the Portland takeover is off the books, right? Adam Cole, Chomp is not going to have a match. Johnny Gargano, all these guys not going to have a match. So now they got to look towards the rest of the roster. And I guess they just don't believe in anybody to, to, to give the mic to or to even extend or, or to create a new feud. Because we're, like I said, we're recycling. Keith Lee Dijakovic, uh, Gargano, and, and, Chomp, and Ciampa. Yeah. We didn't hear anything about what's going, what's going to be next for Cole. I'm assuming Balor, because at this point, like, there's no, who else? Who yeah. else? I don't know if it's because of the lack of the, the strength in their roster or if it's just the lack of their creativity. But either way, this show was just very disappointing. I'm trying to be nice here. I'm really Not trying yet. to be nice. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I'm sorry, like, I have to give this show a, a, a five. And if I was in a better mood, I'd probably give it a fucking five. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, when we were talking about who's next for Cole, I thought maybe if Velveteen looks strong enough beating Roger, Roderick, then it would be a good way to propel him to the main event scene and have him face Cole for the title at the next NXT TakeOver Tampa. But after seeing this match... I don't really have the confidence in Velveteen having a match with Cole to like main event a takeover right now. So I really don't know. And yeah, this show to me was a fail. I feel like they let me down personally because I <laughs> was strong holding them last week. I was like, this is, you know, their week. They beat AEW and AEW had a phenomenal week last week. And I still gave NXT. So this is the, this is the thanks I get. This is the slap in the face. Come on. You know what? Honestly, not even, I'm not even going to be joking here, but I sort of felt the same way too because I've sort of been defending NXT. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I love the TakeOver, and last week's episode was great. Um, you know, they have their moments where they've, they've really put together a good show. They do. And uh, recently on, 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 our, on our Instagram, somebody brought up the question, is this even a war at, at, by, at this point, right? Because – I think NXT's only won, if I'm not mistaken, about three of the of the ratings, uh, three weeks in the ratings. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit more, but maybe I don't know, three or four. It, it's less than a handful. Oh no, yeah, yeah. And I brought up the case of the Monday Night Wars, right? Of WWE, WWF back then, but WWE against WCW, and WCW won 83 weeks, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. it was 83. Well, they 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 won other episodes in. The past, but it yeah, was yeah, 83 yeah. weeks I'm in a 83, row. Exactly. Yeah, that's what, that, yeah. that was my point. Yes, I understand it went back and forth, yeah. but it was 83 weeks in a row. And if you're living in that time period, you could easily think, oh, is this even a war yeah, like, And we all know who won, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I can't count out NXT, and I was defending them. And I can't count out the WWE brand. But with shows like this, it's making it really fucking difficult for me yeah. to defend. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, made it, it made it bad on my part. You yeah. know, It makes it my life a little bit difficult. I think that they're going to have a better show when they get those TakeOver Portland people back on the show, back on the card, and then have them actually have matches. But like you said, it is a shame that there's no 
confidence in the rest of the roster. It's like you got that select bunch that is here, and then everyone's down here. And it's like, that's on you. You should start building these people to be up here too. And I'm, t- I'm sorry, but interrupting matches where you could be building stars like Chelsea Green and Caden Carter, you're going to interrupt that match and act like that match is insignificant to a Bianca Belair promo. So now those people that are trying to build their star goes all the way back down here. Yeah, you know, I, I, I completely agree. And I feel like the only way that these superstars learn is in the fire. You got to give them the opportunity. Yeah. You learn in the ring. You could do all the preparation you want, but nothing is like being in those moments. Yeah. And you have to be in those moments to get better. You Sometimes you have to, you have to fail a little bit to, to, to propel yourself forward. Life lessons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and you know, and this is, this is one of those episodes where I'm hoping that they take a step backwards so that they can wow us next week. And I hope they do. I, I really do. I truly do. Because I would like to see more of a war. Yeah, me too. But wowing, you want to talk about wowing? We got that with AEW this week. <laughs> Yo, I am blown away from that episode. A- exactly. And I'm, I'm sorry, but we knew in advance. I mean, with that card, yeah. the AEW gave us, they stacked it. This was like a pay-per-view. This was a free pay-per-view in my eyes. Yeah, this was... And and this was, this was a little bit weird for me with NXT because it was like... You know these. You know you know this card of AEW in advance. Yeah, and this is the card you give us. So this was sort of like a a throw in the towel to me. You know what I mean? Okay. So with that being said, I take back and recant my statement from last week when I said, "Of course they're watching each other." Because maybe NXT isn't watching. Then if you didn't know that AEW was stacking the cards like this, like even when we went back to the last episodes of December, where AEW had a well, they were off for Christmas, and NXT had a show for Christmas. And then the next week, NXT had a clip show while AEW had a show. It was like, you guys should have put your clip shows together so you guys went back to -to head-to-head. But whatever. All I know is AEW blew me away. We started out with, well... That that Battle Royal. That Battle Royal was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I thought that was a great way to start off. Uh, You know, of course, if if you're flipping the channels back and forth, immediately if you see a Battle Royal, that's probably going to grab your attention. So I feel like they they had the viewers locked immediately. Yeah, extremely. Right off the bat, and they do battle royals really well. But the match I really want to talk about that really blew me away, Jeff Cobb and John Moxley. Because this was Jeff Cobb's debut, and I knew him before. Like, the world knows him right now. <laughs> and I just want to say, like, I knew he's a beast, but he made himself look like a beast against Moxley. Because Moxley's a big guy, yeah. and he's he could barely budge. Well, he wasn't even budging when Moxley was, like, giving clotheslines or trying to hit him. Jeff Cobb. You know what? Lost I, for words. <laughs> yeah, you know what though? I was really impressed with uh with the way he went about this match and continuing this storyline of him being this hired hitman. Because there was one point where he was going for the pin and he picks up Mox yeah. to disrupt the pin to give him more pain, right? So to me that was like him kind of showing like I know what I'm here for. My job is not to beat you. My job is to destroy you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I like throughout the match, he was looking at the corner where uh, Jericho and Sammy G and Hager, were, where they had their tickets. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was just kind of looking for their approval or, you know, what's next. So it, it really involved that the whole story. And I, I always love when I can see a match that continues the story or involves the story. I think sometimes we get uh, a story and then we get a match 
And it's just like the match is sort of separate than the story. But AEW, uh, especially more recently, has been doing a phenomenal job with these with yeah. these storylines continuing into the match. And I thought this was one uh, that showed that very well. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just want to say from this match, I really hope we see more of Jeff Cobb in AEW. I hope this is not a one and done because not only does he look comfortable and amazing in that role as a monster, but we all know AEW could use more big guys like Jeff Cobb. And someone who's legit like Jeff Cobb, too, because he brings back that Olympic uh, background that he has. And mm. I think that he looks so good with the inner circle that I would hate for, like, next week we see the inner circle minus Jeff Cobb. Yeah. I really, really love this match. I love the action in the ring, but I also love the post-match as well. But before we get to the post-match, I wanted to say that going into this match, I thought it was going to be a slippery slope because... We have Mox obviously challenging Jericho for the title. Mm -hmm. So we can't really have him lose. But then you have Jeff Cobb's debut, and he's this beast, right? And, like, how do you go about, you know, so that everybody wins, where Mox still comes off winning and and kind of strong, but then yet uh, Jeff Cobb can still be strong as well. And I thought that the ending, the finish, was great because it was sort of like Mox stealing the victory. I, yeah. I think he rolled him up. Or it was like a small package, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. So he kind of gained the gained the victory, uh, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that yeah. was the best way to go about this match. On top of that, you know, if you looked at Mox, he looks like a, a, a beaten down man. Yeah. You know, he has his ribs taped. He obviously still, you know, one eye shut. You yeah, know, one eye Mox. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, I like the fact that Jeff Cobb looked really strong in this match, but the fact that Mox still got the victory, it was brilliant to me. Yeah, as did I. And I really think that that's AEW thinking outside of the box. Like, WWE, we need both guys to look strong. Let's have a DQ. Like, yeah. no, yeah. They're, they're, we're not having a DQ here, especially a match that was built up like this. For Even for the week build that it was, like, it was one of the matches that people were really looking forward to. So I like that they actually gave it a finish. And with that stolen victory, we didn't have Jeff Cobb look like, oh, well, they kind of, like, jobbed him out on his first. No, you don't get that when you have, like, a stolen victory like that. But with the post-match, they have a post-match beatdown on Mm -hmm. John Moxley. We have Dustin come out to make the save. And then the lights go out. And I wasn't know who to expect here. No, me neither. (laughs) And then the thing is, when it was Darby Allin that was revealed as the guy who's making his uh, return, that crowd went ballistic. And I just felt like, oh, my God, this guy's a huge star. Like, he went from his star is rising to this guy is a megastar because that crowd went ballistic. You would think that it was The Rock that came out. Like, oh, my God, (laughs) it's The Rock. No, Darby came out, and then that entrance with the skateboard is so over because as loud as they were when his, his music started, they got even louder when he started riding down that ramp. They were going ballistic. And I just want to say shouts to Darby because that's his hard work paying off. He's a megastar in that company. Yeah, but you know what? I also want to say it's shout out to AEW as well because they they're doing a great job at building stars, and I feel like from the get since episode one, it was already pre planned that we kind of have our crop of guys who we believe is going to be the future, mm-hmm. and they've been working working around that while still also giving us the stars that we already know. Yeah. So they've they've been doing a phenomenal job at that. It's still giving us great entertainment currently while still building stars for the future. That's very difficult. You know, if you know in sports, it's like rebuilding. It's like you either go for it now or you go, you know, you you just give it up and you just build towards the future. And I love how AEW, if I could give a comparison, especially being a Yankee fan, they're they're like the Yankees right now where 
They're just hitting on all cylinders. They're doing something great right now. But if I look down six months, I'm thinking it's still going to be great because of guys like Darby Allen, because of guys like MJF, because of guys like Sammy G. You know, I mean, the list goes on. There's a lot of good young talent and the way they build them. It's just it's phenomenal. But yes, kudos to, to Darby as well. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, they have a crop of talent. It's not like, oh, they have MJF and he's going to be the future, but who's he going to be the future with? Like, no, they have like nine or ten guys that are just ready to like burst through that ceiling. And like you said, they had like they're already like made stars that were already stars currently. Yeah. And that leads me to my next point, because we had a tag match between Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Bros. And I just want to say that just from the entrances alone, the star power that was like portrayed in the entrances for these four men was amazing. And not only was that like eye-opening to me, I know they were stars, but the eye-opening thing to me is that crowd reacted to each one like they were mega stars, and none of them were WWE alumni. Yes. Yes. Like, usually you get the huge pop for Cody, the huge pop for Moxley, mega pop for uh, Jericho. And we had four guys that never was in WWE, and they're getting mega star pops from the crowd. So, that was really great to see. And this match. Whew. Yeah. I, I, just, to, just, to, just to go off of what you said, though, I really do believe, like, these guys are, are four mega stars. So, Definitely. they got the pop that they deserve. But I think it's great that you pointed out, like, yeah, they didn't need the WWE brand to to do that, you know, yeah. or or to get that type of reception. And yeah, what a match we got. I mean, first off, I already knew it was going to be it's going to be great, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, come on. But still, I mean, it's weird cuz even though you're expecting a great match, I still get like excited and surprised like holy Same. shit. Yeah. But you know what though? I'm I'm realizing I I love Omega and I I love Hangman, but every time I watch the Lucha Bros, I'm just fucking flawed. I I you know, you know, we're watching this together. I'm holy shit! I can't believe he just did that. Oh, yeah. It's it's all these reactions, all these moments, and I mean, they're just that special. I honestly believe the Lucha Bros by far is the best tag team in wrestling today. Period. I totally agree. I know I'm agreeing a lot with you, but you're making amazing points. I really agree. Of course, I am. I've been, I've been a huge fan of the Lucha Bros for a long time. Every time you see either Pentagon or Phoenix or the Lucha Bros together in the match, like. You can't. You don't even question if it's going to be a good match or not. Like, let's just say when I see them on a card, I have settled miedo when it comes to <laughs> the match quality because I know it's going to be an amazing match. Do you match. do it like three, four times as much as they do? I didn't take off my glove. Damn, I did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I need to over the top throw it to the ref. But yeah, so you know when the Lucha Bros are in a match, no matter who their opponents are, it's going to be an amazing match. It just adds to it when you have amazing people on the other side like Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Yeah. And one thing I like was... You saw, like, some good chemistry between Hangman Page and Phoenix when mm. they were in the ring together. And I don't remember them even wrestling before. I know Kenny Omega had matches with both Pentagon and Phoenix, especially now that he's the uh, AAA champion. He's wrestling them on a regular. But I don't remember Hangman Page ever being in a match against the Lucha Bros. Maybe that that uh, eight-man tag from a couple weeks back where it was... The Elite versus Butcher and Blade yeah, and Lucha but, Bros. But there was very little interaction with Hangman and the Lucha Bros. So it was nice to see that, oh, let's just say if there was going to be one spot that was like sloppy in the match, it probably would have been two guys who never were in the ring together. But even that was amazing. So that's a testament to them too. Yeah, I, I would expect uh, them to still have a good match. Even if they've yeah. never wrestled, even if they 
didn't even go over the match beforehand. I, I think the world of, of both these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Omega is considered one of the best in the world for a reason. I think right now the spot that he's in, um, we sort of forgot that. Yeah. And I think at some point, I, I've been saying to you that he's going to be the X factor um, because we haven't really gotten the cleaner Omega, which mm-hmm. is going to be exciting if we get that side of him again, which yeah. I do believe at some point. It's in there. It, is that, yeah. Exactly. It is in, in there. there. And, uh, you know, what I think of like Ray Phoenix. I mean, I honestly, I, I think the world of this guy, mm-hmm. his ability, the risks that he takes. I mean, running those ropes to do that, that like punting kick. That's, that's insane. insane. And he does it with no fear. I'm not trying to make another Cerro Miedo joke. But the thing is, he really does it with no fear. He doesn't hesitate when he just takes off and starts running the ropes. Like, and I don't mean, for people who haven't seen Ray Phoenix, I don't mean running the ropes. I mean literally tight walking and running on the top rope and then kicking someone in the face. There's no hesitation in his actions. And I think that's why he never botches it because he just does it. It's like second nature to him. Yeah, it, it's funny because I think this is one of those cases where this is not a gimmick. The, the Cerro Mero. I think these guys really don't have fear. Doing these moves yeah. the way that they do it, you know, like uh, the way you just explained it, that's the only way I can, I, I can, I can justify it, is that they just don't have fear of doing it. It's just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this and whatever happens, happens. And it's successful, you know. Uh, very rarely will you ever see a botch from either one of these guys. Yeah. I mean, they're just, I, I really feel like they're just at the, the height of their game right now. And I just enjoy seeing them. Every time, like I said, they're on the card, you're only going to add to it. I feel like it's only a matter of time that they're going to be tag team champions. They better be. But I, I'm loving this story right now with uh, the breaking of the elite. And mm-hmm. and I love that we got that at the end of this match. Um, yeah. Because as we said earlier, obviously, uh, the Bucks, they won the, the Battle Royal. Which personally, I wasn't too happy about. I was. The only reason why I liked it was just for the fact of the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of would have liked to see another tag team kind of have that spot, but in time. But anyway, we did get a, a continuous uh, advancement of the story, and I like how it was physically portrayed as Omega being stuck in the middle. Because yeah. you have the Bucks coming out to kind of help him up and kind of raise his hand, and you have Hangman on the other side who wants nothing to do with the Bucks. And he's like, come on, you know, you're my tag partner. And Omega's kind of just stuck there. So... Even though we didn't get a BS promo to talk about it, mm-hmm. they showed it to us. Exactly. And that's what I love. You know, showing us, don't tell us. You just stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say something that we constantly say that AEW always does well is they show rather than tell. And having the visual of Omega in the middle definitely is showing what they're trying to show here and tells you the story without having to say, Oh my God, Omega's in the middle between his partner and his buddies. But yeah, like you said, the the Battle Royal early in the night set up for this post-match with this match perfectly. And I was really excited for the Bucks winning because I did want to see what would happen if these two teams actually faced off with each other. And we're going to get that now. I would have, like you said, liked to see another team elevated and see them in that spot. But I don't think that that would have added to the story. And it would have been a bit weird to continue to build the breaking of the elite and then at the pay-per-view, you have the Elite versus whatever random team wins that match. So I like that it was the Bucks because it was storyline advancement. You know what I think it was, though, um, that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way about that Battle Royal was the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, I think Nick Jackson was eliminated uh, kind of halfway through the Battle Royal. And Matt Jackson continued and then defied all odds and wins. I, I just didn't like the narrative of that Battle Royal. 
I just didn't like how I don't know. I kind of made yeah. Uh, you know, it just it, it just seemed a little forced in my eyes. I wasn't mad at them winning, you know, like I said, exactly. Like, I would prefer a different team. But for the sake of the story, this was the right move. It's just the way they went about it. I just thought, mm, okay, you know, the Bucks yeah. always have to look like the superheroes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so that's the only thing. Like I said, it, it does advance the story. I like that super kick that he did to Sammy Guevara. He kicked his freaking head off. Oh, but, my. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit. When, it, when he kicked him... I, I didn't know like what was gonna be of Sammy G. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> and so we saw him later in the night. Like, he was yeah. fine. Yeah. Holy shit, man. But yeah. But there was something that you said earlier. You said about showing and about story, and I think we got that with the main event with Cody and Wardlow. Talk about showing and 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 telling a story. I mean, holy shit. First off, this was the first time we got to see Wardlow. And like I said before, personally, I've never seen him wrestle at all. I've never seen him on the indies. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I've only heard things about him. And I know on commentary they were talking about his athleticism. And I guess he put up some videos, whatnot, which I've yet to see, about a vertical jump that was like above five feet, which yeah. is just fucking insane for a guy his size. I mean, a vertical jump of five feet plus is just ridiculous, never mind his size. So I would love yeah. to see that video. But I, I finally got my answer with Wardlow. And – I think he is just great. I think he's great for them. Here is a, a, a big, strong guy, but who is just really athletic. The way he hit the, I think it was a moonsault, right? Oh, no, it was a senton. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was Jeff just, Hardy style. Exactly. Yeah. It was It was like flashes of Jeff Hardy. The only thing is, is like he just has 50 pounds more muscle than Jeff Hardy. Yeah. It's just, it was, it was ridiculous. So I was just impressed with Wardlow. I was impressed with Warlow as well. Just like I said about Jeff Cobb, he's a big guy, which AEW needs, but a guy who's legit is not someone who's going to body slam you and then like just use his size as his like gimmick. This guy could actually go. And I was blown away by some of the moves he was hitting. I think they called it the F10 instead of the F5 because he like spinning <laughs> through like the way Cody propelled in the air. It was like a helicopter. It was crazy. But speaking of seeing things for the first time, let's mm. talk about that structure. Because that cage that they had was totally different than a WWE style cage or even an Impact Wrestling style cage. Yeah, very Ring true. of Honor. Like I never seen a cage like this. They had the like the steel beam like structure. I don't even know the trusks, right? Yeah, yeah. On the corners, which made I guess it stronger. And then the cage went all the way down to the floor. It didn't go stop at the mat or the apron. Yeah. So it was kind of like, in my opinion, like a closed in hell in the cell with the top off. Yeah, it yeah. just looked awesome, and I like that it looks different than WWE's cage because it gives them it gives them a identity when they have a cage match. It's not what we expect. It's not what we grown accustomed to seeing. So kudos on the cage, and it was a big cage. Yeah. That tall, that cage went up pretty high. I think they said it was like twenty feet. Yeah, and which, you know what? A lot of times in in wrestling, you know, they exaggerate. Yeah, but that actually looked like it, it was twenty feet. <laughs> I think they exaggerated with how like small it was because it looked like it was like twenty five feet. Like, <laughs> it was definitely. No, nah, it was really big. It was it was huge, and I like what you said about them having an identity because I think they they've been doing a really good job at that. Uh... Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Coming into AW being on Wednesdays and having Dynamite, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get. We don't know if it was going to be a B version of WWE, if this was going to be something completely different. And I think so far it's kind of been a, a, a balance of everything. You know, we see shades of, of New Japan and the way that they book their feuds. Mm-hmm. We see uh, shades of, of, uh, of Lucha Underground and the way they do their vignettes. Definitely, yeah. And then they have a way of just creating their own identity. And I think with this cage, that kind of showed it. Um, this was something different that we haven't seen before. I definitely agree. To your point, not to cut you off, I really look at AEW as the melting pot of professional wrestling right now because we have different things that work in different places all under one roof. And I think that's what makes them different is because it's just the machine in WWE and business as usual because it's been working like that for 50 years where here it's like, oh, that works? Let's do that. Oh, that doesn't work? We won't do it no more. And they really listen to the fans, which is really awesome. I want to also talk about the other person in this match because when Cody came out, another guy who was given like the hero's welcome. Yes. I mean, of course, it's in Atlanta. Of course. And Cody, you saw, I don't know, you could tell the difference between Cody when he comes out for a match on Dynamite and Cody when he comes out for a match on a pay-per-view. And this felt like pay-per-view Cody. Yeah. And he gave it his all. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And of course, he... Gets busted open in typical Cody <laughs> yeah. fashion. I would have been disappointed if he didn't. You know like, what? Me too. At this yeah. point, like I, I kind of want to see him busted open every single week. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But Hogan um, must pose and Cody <laughs> must bleed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though? Like in all fairness, this was a cage match. He is in there with a, a beast like Wardlow. It should have been expected. But uh, you know, of course, I had to just throw that out there. But yeah. That that's how I felt with uh, with this match, and I I think that's the way Cody viewed it as well. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this was sort of a, a free pay per view that was given to us, uh, so he wrestled like it was a pay per view, and obviously, the way the finish was, that was like pay per view, you know, quality yeah. moment. Like 
when he went was going when he was climbing up there, I'm just thinking like, what the fuck? Like, there's he, no escape. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. Like, hey, dummy, get down. <laughs> I was, I'm just thinking. I was just thinking like, you know, Cody's not a high flyer. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is he gonna do? And I hope he doesn't get hurt. You know, because yeah. sometimes you know you you get overly excited and you kind of. You, you, you kind of cross that threshold between being courageous and just being flat out stupid. You know yeah. what I mean? And Cody's a very emotional guy. So when he's going up there, I'm like, what are you going to do? And when he hit a moonsault, which is basically a backflip. From that height. Exactly. From that, from a guy that doesn't typically do those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I was just in awe. I was floored. I jumped out of my seat like, holy fucking shit. You know, like I'm pretty sure like everybody who's seen it did. Mm-hmm. But – like that just shows me how much this meant to him, how much this this story just means to him. And he just gave it his absolute all. He just risked it all. Yeah, and something that well, going back to the moonsault, the moonsault was picture perfect. Yeah, also. it was. It, it was. wasn't like oh my god, he almost died. No, he literally he hit landed it clean. It clean. Hit it clean. One thing that I noticed about the story of this match was it was wrestled like it was a feud ender. And yes. to have the story, like think about, I'm gonna like break this down for you real quick. To have someone debut, yeah, and have a match that is in a cage for the first time ever in this company, and the feel of the match is this is the end of the feud. <laughs> like that's it's just crazy how like that match played out to me, and I really think that it was perfect because they played it like it was the end of the feud because Cody had to give it his all just to get to the next point of the feud, which is now he has the match with him and MJF. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, the stipulation was he had to beat Wardlow. No, the stipulation was he just had to be in a cage match. With oh, Wardlow. he had to just be in a cage? So I believe so. I believe he said you have to wrestle Wardlow in a cage. So if you got through the strappings, the 10 straps that he was uh, going to give him, he probably thought that was going to be the breaking point, right? Yeah. But if you got through that, you got to survive Wardlow. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was uh, that he had to beat Wardlow because to me, that's what it seemed like. Like, yeah. you know, I want MJF this bad that I'm willing to do absolutely anything. And just like Jeff Cobb, the story was not for Wardlow to get the win. I think that's why he had to survive Wardlow because Wardlow was not there for the one, two, three. Wardlow was there so Cody doesn't walk away from this match. Yeah. So it didn't matter if Cody won or lost. If Cody is done after this match then he doesn't make it to revolution so that's why i think it was like obsolete whether he won or not but having cody win that was another situation where it was like you can't have wardlow lose in this first match but you can't have cody lose leading up to mjf and then you know what it was another match where wardlow he lost the match and it didn't make him seem like he was weak or it didn't make him seem like he got jobbed out in his first match, just no, like Jeff Cobb. So I want to give a big shout out to the way that AEW does their finishes because they make everybody look strong, which is the point that you're trying to make. You know, I, I just wanted to to kind of add on to that. The, the storyline with Cody and MJF is almost running parallel to the story of Mox and Jericho. Mm-hmm. They're very, very similar. And it's funny how it's so different. In the same way, yeah. If that makes any type of sense, I mean, we got a betrayal, right? And mm-hmm. MJF betrays Cody, and then we got a betrayal with Mox and Jericho. Yeah. Mox pretending to join the inner circle and turns on him, and then we get this hired gun almost in Wardlow, and we get this hired gun in in Jeff Cobb. 
And even though it's almost the exact same type of storylines, it still seems very different. The matches, the, 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 the people that are also involved externally, they just do a brilliant job. A brilliant job at this. And like you said with the finishes, it's just brilliant. Because I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel like Wardlow was looked as weak. or what. I mean, Cody just did a moonsault off of a 20-foot cage. I mean, who's going to kick out of, kick that? Out of yeah. that? Exactly. It was an exclamation point. You know what I mean? So, like, this was this was phenomenal. I They are really hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. All cylinders. And I feel like ever since they, they dropped the whole Nightmare Collective thing, obviously that didn't work. And, you know, kudos for them admitting failure, dropping it, moving forward. The shows just feel more complete. Mm-hmm. And I like that, uh, that Brandy was on the outside. I like that Arn was on the outside mm-hmm. and MJF. And we got also kind of these side... Uh, segments going on during the match yeah and i like that that uh that one segment where where cody's like kind of halfway out and arn has the door and mjf is trying to convince him to hit him yeah. and it added suspense you know what i mean yeah, like and not to cut you off but like mjf hitting the line hit him like he did his father like that was awesome yeah yeah, yeah. exactly bringing it full circle yeah exactly i mean just everything they're doing like, I, I i'm not one of those you know aw's the best and yeah you know no, I'm not. You know, we call it fair and square we here. Keep and, it real. And if hey, if you listen to you know the beginning of this podcast, you know, a couple of weeks in, we were shitting all over them. Yeah, but like I said, I, I did say this was going to be a trial and error, and I felt like they were going to eventually get it together. And I really feel like right now, they're they're getting it together. They, they got it together. Um, I want to just go back to a point that you made before, mm-hmm. saying that when you have two storylines that are so similar running like parallel to each other. And then you have, you manage to keep both fresh that people are not like saying, Oh, that's just like this storyline. Like that's special because we have the opposite on the other end where we saw the Ciampa promo and then we saw Bianca Belair. And we're like, they just did that. You I was going mean? to mention that. So, yeah. yeah. Well here you're doing the same thing. You have Moxie versus the hired gun verse. And then you have Cody versus the hired gun. And no time did I say, this is very similar to Moxley and Jeff Cobb. I don't know if I could get into this. So that's kudos to AEW. Any final thoughts? Well, I thought it was interesting that um, it looks like we're going to get a uh, feud of uh, Statlander and Nyla Rose. Um, that wasn't really kind of confirmed. They kind of had a stare down. Uh, but I, I can't see any other way. Uh, I know Big Swole got involved. I don't. I think that's probably just going to be a one-off maybe or whoever wins um, goes against Nyla Rose. So I think that's a little interesting because yep. um, after the show, we got uh, Shana being attacked by Britt Baker. And uh, on the last podcast for last week, I did mention how I thought with Nyla Rose, they would have continued um, the storyline with Shana because she did attack her. She put her through the table. If I'm, I'm thinking she did it twice, and that's when she was suspended the second time because yeah. she, I think, hit the referee as well, mm-hmm. right? So that was just a little bit weird to me that um, that they didn't go that route. Uh, it would have made more sense to me because I think Statlander is a legit threat and is a legit believable threat to uh, beat Nyla Rose. And I thought that maybe you want to kind of give her a um, a title match, one that she wins and kind of comes off looking strong. And I thought I thought that would have been great to have that with Shauna. So I don't know. I just feel like if they are going, you know, that route, it just feels like I don't know. It was a little soon. But then again, AEW does a phenomenal way at creating a story and, and having it drag out a little bit longer. 
And I hope the booking that we see with Mox and Jericho, the booking we see with Cody and and MJF and the, the booking of the breaking of the elite, like I really hope that they can start booking the women's division in a similar fashion. Uh, I understand that this is not the strongest division, um, but I do think that there is some key pieces. And with mm-hmm. their creative booking um, right now, I really have a lot of confidence in them that even with the, the lack of talent that they have, that they can still create something really good with this division. I, I think I love what they're doing with Britt Baker. I like her as this heel. Um, her mic skills are getting better. I think it was brilliant putting her on commentary as well, getting her more comfortable yeah. talking, especially she was she was with Shivani, which it seems like they're working, you know, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also had, you know, uh, Excalibur and JR there. So, you know, if there's any moments that she fell flat, they could kind of pick her up. Yeah. So they're grooming her very well. So... You know, like I said, is that I love where they're going. I think I, I think that their creative team is doing a good job. I just really hope that we see more of that in the women's division. I totally agree. I think that we're getting more of a core of the top girl, the top females in the women's division. So we have Britt Baker on commentary. We know the champions, Nyla. We're building Statlander and Shauna. So I feel like they're going to have these four women. Or five, I don't know how many I just counted. But <laughs> all these women like be like the new core of the division as like some women take a step back a little bit, people that weren't like connecting with the crowd. Um, I'm not going to say that Stalander's the number one contender just because we did see Swole come out. So I don't know if it's like showing the picture that Nyla has the target on her back and everyone's gunning for her. I don't know. But um one thing I want to say, my final thought was when we had the um, the Dark Order come out, mm-hmm. and here's a little side note. We didn't have Evil Uno on the mic. We had the guy from the commercial, yes. another psychic moment of mine, because yes. I said, hey, what about that guy? Why don't he cut the promo? Another pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not to toot my own horn, but no, one thing that I took away from it was that Raven was in the crowd. Yeah. And there's a lot of buzz about that right now. I am a big Raven mark. <laughs> like you, you call it as you yeah. see it yep <laughs> and i really would love if raven has a role in this company because he's a guy who has an amazing mind for the business he plays a character amazingly and uh, then especially I, a dark character yeah too. dark character so whether he's involved with the dark order or working with somebody else i just think even if he's not an on-air character i think that it would be very beneficial to have someone of his expertise backstage like help groom some of these characters and becoming like larger than life and really invest in their own character. Because one thing that Raven did was he believed in that character a thousand percent where when I was younger, I really thought that this guy was like a loner and everyone hated him because of how well he portrayed that character on television. Yeah. And then it was like when I started watching shoot interviews and then people with Raven like on the interview and the people even talk about Raven, how he was like a jokester and everyone knew like he was like always going to play pranks. I was like, Raven? Like You wouldn't get that. Right, you wouldn't see, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't think that from seeing him on on TV. Exactly. So I think that that would be someone that would be so beneficial to be with AEW, and especially seeing him there. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I, I just wanted to point out the reason why I I mentioned about him playing a dark character most of his you know career as as Raven. Um, why that was important is because we mentioned in the past how many dark characters uh, AEW has. Yeah. 
Uh, and one uh, one example that I loved was that backstage he was talking with Jimmy Havoc, mm-hmm. and um, Jimmy Havoc said that he you know learned some key things from talking with Raven. Uh, and that was a guy that we thought we would see a little bit more of. I know he's on dark here and there, but exactly like what you said is that he has so much knowledge and I, I think he just knows the business very well. Um, and to share that knowledge, especially with these guys, that's also hardcore, you know, and yeah. they have these darker characters. I, I do believe that is a really good fit. Now, as far as this whole internet talk about him being the exalted one, I, I'm going to say this right now. I'm not buying it. I know AEW is playing off on it um, on uh, on their social media and whatnot, saying the Exalted One is always watching. But guys, I mean, let, let's let's keep it real. Do you really think that AEW is gonna gonna really announce reveal the Exalted? Like exactly. Yeah. They're not gonna reveal it like that. Him just sitting in the background of the crowd, like, no. I'm I'm sorry. I I just I just we just sat like sat here for half an hour talking about how creative they are. Yeah. That would be like the least creative way of going yeah. about this. So I, I'm sorry. I believe in them a little bit more than that. So uh, sorry to crush it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. So do we even yeah, need a drum roll? No. I was going to say, All let's right. not even – let's not fuck around. There ain't going to be no drum rolls today. All right. It, it's fucking clear cut. I just told you this was a pay-per-view going against a, a, a <laughs> developmental. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, obviously we think AEW – AEW blew NXT out the water this week. Yeah. Now, I'm just hoping that NXT can just raise the level of competition. I'm not feeling too good about it after this past episode. But you know what? You never know. You never know. Exactly. So, you guys stick with us next week. Yep. We'll catch you then. Have a good one. Take care. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.